0: Hey, Fabidians, um, you're about to listen to the amazing Joe White. Uh, we touch on uh, quite a few sensitive topics, including domestic violence. So if this is a trigger for you, maybe skip this episode. Uh, if not, sit back and just listen to the amazing story that is Joe White. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, oh. welcome back to Fitbed Pod. We did go missing, but we are back. And with me, thank God, is Dirk Jair Singer. Hello.
1: Benjamin, I am coming to you, fun my final day of uh, isolating uh, in Adelaide, um, uh, day seven or day eight or whatever the fuck it is. Day seven I getting
0: released at day eight, isn't it? Is that how it works? Anyway? Uh,
1: yeah, well, I went in on ISO on day zero, unfortunately, that doesn't count. So it's seven days after that. So, oh man, it's, I was like, Jesus, that's really frustrating that I had a whole extra day. That has didn't add to anything. So look, I'm out of Adelaide tomorrow. Uh, people, uh, if you want a bit of an update on all of that, we actually did a Patreon episode last week with Dave Thornton. Both of us got COVID, and uh, you know the detour practically had, I think, four nights of total, <laughs> like two two split bills and one solo show each or something like that. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, either way, pretty crazy, pretty wild. But yeah, jump on the Patreon to hear about that. But. Um, I am back, uh, still here, back in Melbourne tomorrow, but more excitingly, we we have a guest who is joining us, a very, very funny stand-up comedian, relatively new in the scene, but has quickly made a lot of waves in the circuit, Uh, one of the, you know, most absolute crushers when I've seen him perform recently. Uh, It's a genuine joy for me to hang out with him as a friend, as as well as a comedian. Please welcome Joe White.
2: Yo, thank you so much, Dil, and uh, Ben, for having me on um I've, I've been seeing this podcast now for a while and uh you know i'm just being patient and hoping that one day you run out of guests and have me on so thank you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We
1: finally did we finally this is like the bottom of the barrel just scooping it out
0: and i do love the idea that even though when even though we're not streaming this live joe is still watching <laughs> We want to be doing live streaming, but we just haven't had a chance. But the fact that we know that someone would watch, it's Joe White. No, no, no. I'm being silly, obviously. But
1: uh, Joe, that's great, man. Thanks so much for joining us now. Ben and Joe, you guys have met before or not?
0: A couple of times. The early days we met at Comedy Club and then we met at a, at a gig. I will never forget for the rest of my life.
2: <laughs> you know what? I thought you would forget it, but um, they personally requested Ben. So he was the highlight on the night. Right, right, yeah. right. The headline, right. Yeah. I was the bottom barrel again, MC, but I had probably uh, oh. three years, into comedy, three yeah, yeah, years yeah. into comedy.
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Three years into comedy and one year into yeah. Australia. So,
0: how, and then, how long? and then, can we just, and just because Joe, you're amazing. But my favorite is when you open that gig, it was one of my favorite things. Is we were in Parkdale, arguably the whitest <laughs> suburb in Melbourne, I reckon. Like, it was. And I love it that you just came out and you went I am literally the only yeah. black man in here and it was one of the, the biggest laughs to an opening of a fundraiser I've ever seen. It was so funny. I wanted you all
2: so to know cool. the type of pressure I was under not just to be funny. I was representing <laughs> a whole race you know.
1: Oh, How you, you, you and when did you come to Australia?
2: I am uh, 36 now. I yep. came to Australia when I was uh, 11 yep. years old. So in, back in 98. Uh, yeah,
1: wow. Right. And so that was you. Uh, pretty
2: much the whole family came over, right? Just You know, a lot of people flee because they just couldn't do it anymore. Some of these civil wars go for like 20 years, man. So, man, he... Fleas, fleas from
1: war, fleas from marriage. The guy's big flea <laughs> loves the flea. But um, so you, you were, and so the six kids, uh, mum and dad in Ethiopia. You're a, you're a twin as well, right? I'm a twin, yeah, two. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Twin sister. Very and twin. Uh, so, where are you?
2: Where are the twins in the order of children? Uh, where the middle? Uh, middle, right? Oh, of right. They say the middle are the wisest. So. We like to think we're wise, yeah. Right. Okay. So we were you were you child? Uh, so we've four got four and 5 I've got an older sister. Then I've got an older brother, and yeah. then uh, myself and my twin yeah. sister. So I, I came about probably fifteen minutes before she did, before she arrived. So I'm considered the older one uh, yep. the But um, yeah, yeah, so it's my older sister, my older brother, myself, uh, my twin sister. And then uh, I've got a younger sister and a younger brother. Right. A younger brother is, is amazing. Is, is Just... in his thirty, so he's thirty. Um, So we're all like a year and a half to two years apart.
1: Right. And so when you when you left uh, Ethiopia for Sudan,
2: what was the? So that was mom and dad were together still.
0: Right. Yeah. So Sudan mom, to Ethiopia, and the other way around, wasn't it? Yeah, mom and dad
2: left Ethiopia for Sudan, so they met they met in the countryside of Ethiopia while they were trying to get out of Ethiopia. And dad said, come to Sudan with me. I'm going to go there. Uh, We can get married and have kids there. So when they got there and they got married and they had kids.
1: right. Right. So they left uh, as a couple from Ethiopia. So, right. Right. So had you then had any,
2: have you been to Ethiopia? I've never been to Ethiopia.
1: Wow. That is so fascinating to me because, you know, I, I did, like I think of you, uh, when, when I think of your background, I always think Ethiopia because you have, yeah. you know, short titles that reference Ethiopia. You, you know, have so much references in the material yeah. about Ethiopia. And I've never would have thought that you've actually never been to Ethiopia. How does that, A, feel for you? Like, because you obviously strongly identify as Ethiopian. Um, yeah. How does it feel to not actually have ever been there? But also what's it like in terms of, the community that's over here in Australia, uh, the Ethiopian community, is that a thing that's fairly common where it's like, yeah, we, we're all here because we escaped this war um, and it is common to meet other people who haven't been to Ethiopia? Or is, is your story more unique?
2: It is common to uh, meet kids who were born and grew up here and haven't had the chance to go back to Ethiopia. Right. Um, I, was, I was planning yeah. to go with my brother, um, a couple of years ago, when he went back to Ethiopia um, after like thirty years of not being there, but then um, I decided to stay due to uh, work that I started here already. But then when my brother went, was back, it a fundraiser with with playing cards? <laughs> it was comedy. I had a few things going, and I was like, oh, "I don't want to leave now." I uh, yeah. can't whole- say no to the Woggy Christmas Show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. You know how Gab Rossi will be. He'll follow me to Ethiopia deal. Uh, I, I didn't go. And then uh, when my brother went, a civil war broke out again while he was there.
0: And so, wow. wow. Yeah, wow. Well, which for people who don't know can happen very quickly. Like, you know, one day it's fine. And then the next it. You know, there's a coup <laughs> and the army's taken over and off we go it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of amazing how quickly that happens like especially with everything that's happening in ukraine where you know all the media is building it up and then and then suddenly you know we because we don't have the same media presence as we do in africa and you hear about these countries like oh yeah oh that's why oh yeah sudan's in the civil war or ethiopia it, it, i just always am amazed going yeah, to happen. Uh, it,
2: it only happened in november of 2020 i think it was um, wow. And, so yeah. after the pandemic, there was civil war, like during the pandemic, sorry. The, during the pandemic. So when he landed, uh, my older brother, when he landed, uh, probably a week into his holiday, um, the government announced come back, international borders are going to close. But he decided, nah, I'm going to stay, it's going to open in a month time. And then that month. Oh, this is into, early
1: 2020, you're talking.
2: Yeah. And then that month turned into 11 months of him wow. trying to try and get back. But within the first three months of being there, the civil war broke out um, and at that same time he also met a young lady and got married that's to her crazy uh, so he's quite adventurous my older brother
0: yeah I was well, so wow he just goes back over there hasn't <laughs> yeah, been there for yeah, how exactly. many yeah. 30 yeah. years and then ironically was met a lady and gets married.
2: <laughs> he, told, he told me if uh, if I do go there that's going to be me but so he said there's too many beautiful Ethiopian women there so he's like if you do come back Joe, if you do or if you do go <laughs> You're gonna get married. So I'm looking forward to He's that not wrong. Uh, He's on not wrong. once COVID and the civil war is over, guys.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that is great. It's it I, I'm I don't know if we if you've come across this, but we my partner and I we we helped out a family uh who same thing left um oh god, it's nearly over probably over nearly fifteen years ago. where what I found amazing is so many people who migrated, who left Sudan even then when they went into civil war yeah. and came over here, it's quite often just the mum and the kids. Like it's not often that, do you know why that is? Like why um, is it quite often I just the mum and the kids that come across and not the father? quite know the
2: story of other people, but in regards to our story, and, and you are right, Ben, a lot of the time it's a single mum household. Um, the, the reason why it happened to us is because when dad and mum went to Sudan and, and they got married then, they had kids, um, you know, dad, we had, uh, we were living nicely. We had a nice house. We had people working for us. We had animals and that's a sign of wealth where we were.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, right. And and there was a house fire that happened um, where we had a lady that was working for us. Um, one of our cleaners or, uh, or babysitter or servant, she was helping. Can I pause the for- story
1: just a second? Sorry. They're just going back a few sentences. Sorry. Um, when you said you had animals, um, could you elaborate on that? What do you mean by that? Because that sounds like it's something that would be quite different to when we say we have animals over here.
3: <laughs>
1: Was it a dog <laughs> and a cat? Like, but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we say like, oh, we had pets.
2: Instead, you're like, no, no, we had a zoo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we had about um, probably we had a donkey. We had uh, about three goats. Um, we had a these cat. are your siblings you're talking about. The names <laughs> that you had for them? Uh, it's just the wives of my older brother, that's it.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, so, all right, so donkeys, goats. Yeah, so, so we had those, um, you know, where you would use them for milk and meat and... Uh, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. What's the,
0: what about the donkey? What's the donkey used for? Just labour?
2: Yeah, just labour trips and stuff. Yeah, um, right. And then we, we live next to a mountain, so... You, a if you have,
0: like, a kid's party, you gonna
1: like,
2: a pin <laughs> and you try... <laughs> and- <laughs> We lived near a mountain, so occasionally we would have um, like monkeys come over, and they'll jump the fence and go on the roof and throw stuff at us, and so we, everybody will run inside uh, because we, we get terrorized by monkeys at times. Um, yes, yeah. so that's the the animal experiences that we had in that area. But then we had a. Um, a what does the donkey life. do?
0: What does the donkey do when the when the when the monkeys come? Do they freak out? Does the donkey just tell them to get fucked?
2: Oh, everyone freaks out.
0: Oh, really? So how, like, how many monkeys are we talking
2: about? Like? Five, six? Uh, no, not that many. Uh, we'll get maybe two or okay. one. <laughs> okay.
0: yeah,
2: they'll, they'll come down and they don't usually come down um, where the, you know, the houses and the, uh, yeah. the buildings are. But when they do, uh, they do terrorise this, man. You won't forget it. When you
1: say, every time you say terrorise, I'm just picturing Caesar from Planet of the Apes with a fucking machine gun on a <laughs> on a donkey, just coming down <laughs> yeah, and going, all right. <laughs> hey, You'll
2: be surprised how cheeky they are. They throw things at you, uh, they they, and
0: they're they're psycho. Like I've definitely. I've had I've had an interaction with a with a monkey in in Vietnam, and it was it was it was yeah, t- yeah. terrifying. Like
2: they jump on you, scratch you, scratch they, they you. They try and
0: go for your eyes. They take don't have your wallet in your in any yeah. of your pockets because it's fucking yeah. gone. They so yeah.
2: It. So we had a babysitter that um accidentally uh, burnt our house down. Um, wow. Yeah. I, I mean why and we had no what? no no house insurance you know there's no such thing so oh, why would you
1: there's just yeah. monkey insurance but because you spend all the money on that
0: yeah
1: it was, it was an inside but, job but
0: it was it was actually the monkey that burned the house down yeah yeah
1: no, it was and that's hey that's I fucking did. wild so you guys were thriving doing well and yeah. a babysitter accidentally burns down the house and is everyone was everyone safe and
2: my dad was a hard worker. So he, he, my mom stayed at home and looked after the kids while he went to work and, and provided, right? And so that's where yep. we worked financially. And then when everything burnt down, he was at work. And uh, I believe my older brother and myself were in the house and mom would run in and grab us to, to get the kids out. So we only, mom only managed to get, and the babysitter managed to get just the, the babies out, which was yep. us. Everything else that we owned went up in flames and it was very- Oh violent. my God. Yeah. How I old were you, before. Joe? Oh, man, I would have been oh, uh, probably uh, maybe around four or something. So,
3: so you can remember do you have, it. Do you
1: have memories yeah. of it?
2: No, no. Barely oh, remember okay. the house fire, but I do remember um, growing up in the house. That's weird. Yeah, but I don't remember the house fire, but I remember growing up in the house. Um, I do remember incident uh and commotions um but around that age in africa man when you're four or five years old you're running errands you're you're forced to be an adult very quick because you have to survive, right. you have to contribute and you have to help so it's a four-year-old in africa is completely you're not muddy you're not
0: muddy cuddled at all it's just like once you can walk you can do shit
2: hundred percent.
0: Not like these Western kids, like my children. <laughs> Fuck. Still got to help uh, them yeah. with their shoes for fuck's sake. <laughs>
2: yeah. My older brother had a job and had to hustle when he was like probably 11 or younger than 11, you know, maybe Mate. 10.
0: Just had to go phenomenal. Out
2: hustle, come back with money. So anyway, so when the house fire happened and it burnt all our assets, uh, that's when, uh, so dad rebuilt it, but not to the same degree. And it was just struggle town from there. So, that's when I know some dad...
1: listeners would some listeners will be wondering about um, the se- how the animals were. Were they all okay or they went with the yeah. fire?
2: No, they're okay because they're outside. Um, okay, great. The only incident that I remember that we had with one of our animals is um, when one of our lambs, that we had like a, a lamb, it fell into the, the toilet because where we lived, our house, when you went to the toilet, it was just a massive hole that you right. had to uh, squat down. And you shit, and it just goes down this massive oh. drop, right? And so we had yeah. one of our lamb that fell down there, and uh, um, we could hear it. And so dad had to do what he had to do, which is tie a rope to himself, because we can't afford to lose one because every lamb, wow. every, one, every animal. Right. So dad was like, you know, he tied himself and went down, down the hole that's packed with poo and bring this lamb up clean that up and, uh, you know, uh, we didn't lose like, it. So that's the only animal incident I remember growing up. Like I the mean, silence I of know. the
1: lambs with like, you know, put the lotion on the skin and you're
0: lowering your dad.
1: <laughs> or oh. toilet. I mean, I've heard,
0: <laughs> I mean, I've heard about working for your food, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> like that is that is seriously a lot of work.
2: We've already marinated. We didn't have to
0: marinate.
2: <laughs> but, um, but then
1: again, but the, go, to reiterate the point you were trying to make is that 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 is how much how valued that would have been that you couldn't afford to just let it you know go into the darkness.
2: Hundred percent. Wow. Enter- when, um, I suppose, sorry sorry to cut you
1: off it, I mean, we, we laugh But the truth is, if your fucking phone fell into the toilet You'd go for it, because you know how much value That, that is to you, right? Which so a lot of cool people of do that.
0: Yeah, totally, totally You just feel jumping straight after
2: And exactly the same Getting that <laughs> lamp from the toilet It's exactly like getting your phone from the toilet Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: remember I had to fucking Strap myself to the sink As I lowered myself into
0: <laughs> the toilet <laughs> But the, the only difference is is with a phone, you put it straight into the rice, but with a lamb, it's still a couple of months away before you add it to the rice. Well done. <laughs>
3: there it is. Uh, we should end it here.
1: <laughs> so um, your dad rebuilds. He was a hard worker. He gets the house, but not to the
2: same level as before. Not to the same level, and then it was just struggle town from there, and he resulted, uh, resulted to drinking. Um, yeah, right eventually that crept in the more hardship the more he drank and then he just became a full-blown uh alcoholic and that's when the abuse started where he would get you know physical he will hit mom and uh you know uh it was just be, if that's when it just became horrible it became torturous so you, now we've got this angry alcoholic father who every time he comes home we all shit our pants. we're all running going what's going to happen now and uh uh, the last time I saw my dad, I'll tell you, this is quite hard, this one here. The last time I saw my dad, I was probably uh, maybe five years old or six years old, man. And I remember this clearly where dad came home very uh, drunk around probably 2 a.m. or something. And uh, we all woke up because mom was screaming and running around the house. And she was pregnant with my younger brother. And uh, we woke up and he had a sword and he was chasing her with this sword. And oh, my
0: God. Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, yeah. So this, this is the last time I saw my dad, right? So he's chasing her with this sword. And uh, we walk up and we're all like screaming, telling him to stop. We, we don't know what to do because we're still kids. And he's like, go to bed. And we're like, we panicked and we played dead because we were shitting our pants. We're like, this guy's going to kill us, you know? So we went back to bed. But my older brother is the brave one. He pretended to be asleep, but rolled over fell onto the floor and then just commander crawled out and told the neighbors what was happening. And the neighbors alerted the police and he's just chasing mom around the house with this sword. And the police kicked the door down, gun out, put it on his back, put him on the floor. And uh, we're all huddled around mom. And then they're like, who's this guy? And she's like, that's their dad. And then they go, do you want him? And she's like, no, he's hurting us. And I can see them checking his ID and everything. And then they just go, okay. And then I never saw my dad again. after what? that. Night. Oh my God, Joe! It Was the last time I saw him. Yeah. So that's and over you the, have, and twenty five years. you,
0: 20, sorry, do you have a
2: memory of this? And and this made me a comic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but do you have a memory of this? Is oh, is this oh, like? This is what I. This is my memory, not my mom telling me.
0: Wow, um, that is. is like,
2: How do you remember that night? I'm like, I remember. I remember that night. You know? and and,
0: and, remember- and also, so so would your siblings? Like it's something that you just like because for them it's the last time they saw the, they saw their dad too.
2: That- uh, yes. Yes. Except for like, to this day, it's the last time I saw my dad. Uh, my older brother, when he went back to Ethiopia, he, he saw dad. He's like dad's mom. Cause mom went back and saw dad, um, after like 30 years. Uh, when we came here, we started our life here. She went back home to try mom's another interesting story where she left home when she was like nine years old, maybe. And everyone thought she was dead. Um, and then she started her life in Australia. I've got six kids went back home and found people and they're like there's no way you're that girl that left and she's like yeah i'm your half sister or you're my brother you know oh my god yeah so then she also was able to trace and find dad um and the whole time we thought i thought he was just dead maybe he went to the army and he died but mom's like your dad's alive he's in ethiopia and he's got another family and he's got uh you've got half brothers half sisters and to be honest, till this day, I'm like, how do I process that, you know? Um, so yeah. I have it, but my brother has gone back and, and he's connected with him and, you know, they've hugged, they've cried together. and uh,
0: Really? They, so you, your brother's they, forgiven him?
2: My brother's forgiven him. Um, my older sister's gone back, she's connected, she's forgiven him as well. And I think deep down, as adults, we all forgive him, but we haven't gone as far as what my older brother and my older sister has done, which is go to Ethiopia, have a chat with him, you know, hug it out and and move on because it's, it's a load and we've got. Oh, our yeah. And I, that, I'm, like, I'm sure. guessing as well
1: that that plays into some of the sort of, you know, the trip to Ethiopia isn't as straightforward as just going, you know, to go see the country that your, 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 your heritage is from. It, it involves potentially re- connecting with your dad and the heaviness that comes with that because that is a what six were you six <clears throat> years old when it happened yeah yeah it was around yeah that, so I that think. trauma as a six-year-old you know no matter how well put together you are today that's still probably versions of it still you know swirling around in you
2: right 100 percent 100 percent, and uh you know a lot of our traumas really happened when dad left Bef- when he was in the picture You know, there was this extra support, financial support, extra security around. So life was sweet. But then the moment he left, we became homeless. We're living in a country where it's under Sharia law. And, um, you know, mom being a single mom, that's not Sudanese. She's Ethiopian. And they can tell by looking at you that you're not from there, that Mm -hmm. you're from Ethiopia. So, you know, single mom, six kids, homeless, um, hard to get jobs a lot of the time they try to push these women into prostitution and stuff. And mom's got six kids and she's a religious woman. And so she's like, this is no, not for me. So we did it tough to try and make sure we stay alive and you know, we keep doing what we needed to do. And so a lot of the time was mom trying to sell uh, tea in the yeah. markets or like mm-hmm. penny and trying to get uh, people to just give her whatever they can for this tea. Sometimes people didn't have anything and she would just give them the tea. This is when we were homeless, living on the streets and eating out of bins to survive. And I remember this one time where um, in Sudan, uh, mom used to give this guy tea all the time. He was a homeless guy. He didn't have money himself, but she used to give him tea. And she was known to have the best tea in the market. And uh, this was her reputation, the Ethiopian lady with six kids who made the best tea. And <laughs> mm. I passed to life in Australia where she made the tea. And I'm like, mom, you should make that tea for us. You always make She's like, okay, my son. And she was making it, and I actually had a peep to see what she was making. And I promise you this. The only reason her tea was the best was because she added like half a glass of sugar. In it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is so sweet. And I was like, how many sugars that she was just like putting it in there? And I'm like, oh my God, you're so funny. Half a glass <laughs> of diabetes. My you know? so so God. Wait,
1: so Shall wait, we, we skim past something as well, because it's obviously it's a rich, such a heavy slash rich story. Um, you were. Homeless at that time. So you, a six-year-old, have memories of living on the
2: street as well. Yeah, when we were homeless, I was a little bit older than that. I was probably around the eight-year-old mark. Um, And how many years?
0: How many years were you homeless?
2: A couple of years. We were homeless for a couple of years before.
0: For two years, Joe.
2: Yeah. So this meant this meant like on during the day we would sleep outside a church. Um, um, or at night we would sleep outside the church during the day we would go inside the church mom was very religious so we would pray Uh, sometimes people would sneak leftover over to us and we would eat it Um, there was a guy that used to actually constantly sneak over uh, they'll give him leftovers and they'll say put it in the bin we don't want like don't give it to the homeless people because they'll linger and they'll come around and yeah so he used to be like, so he didn't want to get in trouble. So he used to say, okay, and try to put it in the bin. But what he'll do is he'll put it in the plastic bag, right, for the bin. And he will tie it, make it look like he's going to put it in the bin. But then he'll go around the corner, he'll call us over and he'll open it. And all six of us will just run in and eat because Mum's in the markets trying to make money. So we had good people like that helping us. Um, but I also, can, so can
1: I clarify a point? So the people at the church told this guy not to give them food to the homeless people outside the ch- church.
2: Yeah. There yeah. would be uh, like, we're talking priest, you know, telling, telling um, him not to give it. It doesn't good for the church. Really,
1: yeah. That well, sounds spot on. Like the, 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 the message of Christ.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not is it and you know the thing is it's not all churches obviously but of course of course not no no no.
1: we're not saying uh, that but this is your yeah. truth that you you know went through so
2: yeah and it's unfortunately not the best uh but um oh my lord still so two years so. of it
0: right but, but just because the church to a degree probably helped you a lot throughout that two-year period then i guess joe Oh, mentally, yeah,
2: man. We, we would go in, we would pray, and it would give you that, you know, mental strength to keep going. Well, it gave mum, who was pretty much our leader, the mental strength to keep going, you know. And do you, and, and do you, that church-
0: and do you still, do you still, are you still a religious, man? Um, um, do you still practice? Do you still pray?
2: I do still pray, yeah. And I go to church, you know, and, uh, I party on Saturday and then Sunday I'm asking for forgiveness. You know that. <laughs> yeah, of <laughs> I'm course. i trying to be the best that I can, but I'm not the best Christian. I'll, I'll be honest with you to say that. Well,
1: um, actually, I, I, I was saving this for later down the track, but since we got here organically, that what's your relationship with alcohol now, having witnessed or heard of the
2: change that happened with your dad and the yeah, abuse of alcohol there? Um, all, it's very traumatic when, when I saw what I saw with my dad. Coming here, mum used to always tell us, you know, don't drink. You saw what happened to your dad. Don't drink. Mm. And you know, we will go out and hang out with our mates. And uh, they'll be like, come on, have a drink. Have a Woodstock. You know, come on, just have one. A
0: Woodstock? And you'll have one. And say, yeah, 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 on <laughs> of all the drinks in the world. I'm just like, that's, that's, yeah, the- that's what I
2: remember the most. So we would smash that and then we would we would still drink it because we don't wanna we wanna fit in, you know? And yeah, yeah, yeah. wow when you're in a country that's like so different to where you come from and not just like economically uh, the privilege we've been given, but more so we stand out like there's not many Africans around. I, I don't East know if
0: you, I don't know if you know this, Joe, but Woodstock is the go-to drink for homeless people in Australia. <laughs> is it? I didn't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Is it really? Yeah, it's the one that's the Every time he says, I want to live on the street, that's always Woodstock. Woodstock. And in the big cans as well.
2: (laughs) I knew why I was drawn to it. It must have been a connection. It was really good. I really liked it. So, you know, when we drink out there, we try, obviously, we're very careful not to get drunk and stuff. Um, Just maybe tipsy or just drink for uh, socializing purposes. So that still
1: plays in your mind, that idea of how bad it can get. Right. Interesting.
2: When we go home, right, mom is always terrified. She's always like, Where were you? I was like, oh, I'm out with my friend. She goes, Did you drink? Every time I come home, I'm like, no, I didn't drink. And then she, she won't believe you, obviously. She'll, yeah. she'll make us, uh, she'll be the human breathalyzer where <laughs> we would open our mouth and we'll and she'll be like, trying to breathe. Uh, uh, breathe, the it human in. breathalyzer. If she smelled alcohol, we used to get a belting, man. No yep. wow. Yeah, wow. We, we got belted if she smelled alcohol.
1: So you um, guys, so, well, how old were you started when you started to drink?
2: uh well the first time I drank so my dad used to actually take me to get drunk when he was in the picture so I would have been maybe like five years old with him or even younger he would take me to the liquor house and I'll just Uh I'm just a a baby so I'll have no shirt I'll I'll have a shirt no no pants so just balls out and he'll just give (laughs) me uh he'll give me um well I didn't know at the time what it was but it's pretty much Bailey's
1: Right, oh. it's like, yeah, one of the most delicious drinks in the world. Yeah, and you know- The baby, irony being that, yes, for me, I would get like shirt on pantsless when I was in uni. Like I was drunkenly, after I'd shit my pants walking through Spring Street.
2: Um, so as a child, when he gives me Baileys, I'm just like, I don't know what this is, but it tastes delicious. So I'm sculling it, you know, and it's going. Oh them. my God, <laughs>
3: that's so horrible. And I then start...
2: I would go home and I'd start crying to my mom because like, I don't know what's wrong with me and my body's, I'm falling everywhere and I'm like, hissing <laughs> everywhere. God. Say, mom, I don't know what's wrong. And mom would pick me up and she's like, what have you done to my son? What have you done? And he's like, oh, he's a man living alone, you know? He's and a then, man, he's five. And then he would give me a knife and he'd be like, go chase your mom. That's how toxic... Um,
0: the relationship Jesus was, and who would take? what?
2: Yeah, yeah, Dad, Dad was a was a terrible human man in my eyes, anyways. But um,
0: and, yeah. and that's what brings me back to, like, it must be so heavy the idea of you having to, like, Dil said, like, you might not even be ready to forgive. Like, you know, you going to Ethiopia, you might go there and go, nah, I'm not ready, and then fly back. Like, yeah. that must be so hard, Joe. I kind of, I just can't imagine what that would be like.
2: I would I, I am ready to forgive and uh, and I think it's because to me you know I would I, I, I need to forgive so that this work this load that's on my shoulders that I've been carrying for you know 30 plus years can be lifted you know yeah so I'm not forgiving because I'm like ah oh, don't worry about it it's all good it's in the past you know' yeah. oh, no. also, yeah, you're a shit person but I also understand you know the the reason uh, of how we got there and we yeah. didn't get there because you know you just decided oh this is the best thing to do um you joe a lot of, you have his own traumas himself and then yeah, his, his coping him.
0: mechanisms which unfortunately dad, that's
2: my dad's life man it's just war after war after war so yeah just,
0: uh, right. you just right can't imagine you can't imagine it's the toll hard. that would take but both generational and then it gets passed down generation to generation to generation oh. that trauma
2: and so I want to deal with my traumas in a healthy way so I don't pass it down to um, to my kids. And I think it's nothing more healthier than facing... Getting him. up on stage with
1: a pack of cards and <laughs> trying to...
0: <laughs> and raising money for other people.
1: <laughs> I, I'm being silly about that, obviously, but I, there's some truth to that. I genuinely think that is quite incredible to, to end up in that point. Uh, I mean, there's so many things I want to start unpacking. Um, you know, let me just throw out all the things that are in my head, right? And we'll figure out which way we want to go. Uh, Number one, obviously, I want to hear how then you go from uh, your mom having these six kids, being homeless for a couple of years and then getting to Australia. Um, Then there's also, I want to talk about the idea that there are potentially listeners who do have some traumatic um, relationships with their parents and uh, are there lessons that you've gotten over the last few years that you have found personally useful for you in that process of forgiveness? Because you and I, Joe, we've bonded over um, our love of like self-help books and self-development stuff. And, and, you know, I'm assuming you would have come across David Goggins' story with his dad, as well as Kevin Hart's story with his dad. Will Smith's, I didn't know Will Smith came from an abusive childhood as well. uh, So I'm a bit all over the place here. I guess my question would be, We'll start with that then. What are the things that you have found helpful in your process of, um, you know, finding forgiveness or finding a way to deal or uh, deal with the trauma in a in a he- healthy outlet so that you don't pass it on to your kids? Um, were there books? Were there uh, stories of other people that have helped you? What what is the thing that are actionable for someone listening?
2: I would definitely say listening to uh, speakers, motivational speakers, or um, you know, uh, reading personal development books and stories of people who have been in that situation and how they got out of it. Um, and a lot of the people you mentioned, they do come from that type of household and how they dealt with it. Um, you know, some of the tips they gave me is what worked for me. So, and they all had many different tips, but one you of the main a, things- Off the top of your head, is there any particular example of something that you read or heard that like hit like a lightning bolt where you're like, fuck,
1: that's amazing.
2: Yeah, well, talking about it and forgiving. You know, when you don't forgive, you think, no, I'm right. I don't need to forgive him. And that means that I'm winning and he's, going, he's suffering, you know, because I'm not talking to him, I'm not forgiving him. So he's in the, he knows he's in the wrong. He doesn't have any access to me and he's suffering. So, yeah, you know, you feel you feel your right to not address it, not talk about it, just press it down and move on. And it's not impacting you, but it is impacting you. You are thinking about it, it is weighing you down. Um, the freedom that comes with going, man, maybe I need to address this, maybe I need to talk to someone about it, maybe I need to talk to him and try to understand from his perspective why he was like that. Maybe um going down the path of looking at many different ways to how he became what he became. You know, that would help you understand, I guess, the disease more, because that's what it is at the end of the day, it's a disease um he's a victim of the disease um he's a victim of you know the civil war in ethiopia he's a victim of the i guess the shitty economical position the country's in um and he's a right. victim of his dad's traumas you know and, and and so on um and he didn't have access to the things that i have here which is again personal development good medical health uh, system uh amazing humans around
0: me who are yeah good-
2: that's what i was gonna say like, like all does this he- helps
0: i mean a yeah no i was just gonna say joe because is that because is that something because you still haven't spoken but is that something you'd want to share with him because you like you said you got a good support network yeah does your dad still drink today do you know if he's improved himself like is, is he is he a better person you know like he's improved himself to a certain degree yeah, okay. but I, I would
2: be lying to say that he's 100% changed for the better now, you know? Yeah. But he's improved himself to a certain degree. And also, um, I've changed massively from yeah. who I was to like who I am now. And I look at the situation and my traumas a lot differently now, um, you know, than what I used to. And I think that helps me deal with it. And I know that the only way I could move forward and feel I don't have this load on my shoulder now is talking about it this is why i'm comfortable talking about it with you guys and talking about it on stage and you know but on stage obviously adding a bit of humor to it to try and solve yeah. uh that's what we're all there is to laugh not there to just be sad you know what i mean but i talk to uh, like podcast yourself um on, on interviews and stuff with mates with my family uh because it helps me deal with it but i think the ultimate way to to put a, I guess, to hush it out is to see him and talk to him, and that is something that I, I, I plan to do in the future. Hopefully, before he dies, because he's seventy-something years old.
0: Yeah, wow, amazing. Yo, it's
2: it that there, there is this
1: way of. I'm not going to say it because I think that's very disrespectful, but there are so many stories of people who go through awful, awful things in their life in their childhood that they then have been able to use. To govern them or fuel them towards uh, a, a stronger purpose with more fulfillment, um, yeah. have you found that when I look at you and I think of your drive with comedy, you know, from the first time we literally met—I don't know what, four, or five years ago, whatever—when uh, you were just starting out and asking me for tips and stuff, versus where you are now, like I the, was around, what's I'm that?
2: The I was driving you around. I was your Uber driver when you came to Perth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It was totally. It, was, it felt like a nice little quid pro quo, um, you know, and um I
3: was me.
1: what's that man? Ah! No jokes. I said he didn't even tip me. I didn't, no, I didn't. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I gave oh, you four stars though.
3: Because oh, it was God. like I was
1: like, you know. Great guy, but the conversation was very heavy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was no. sitting in the back of the car. He's talking to me about his yeah. traumatic childhood with his dad. I'm like, "Fuck, man, just put the radio on, will like, yeah. yeah, I um, mean,
0: you got four stars, no callbacks, but yeah, yeah. four stars are still pretty good. <laughs> you can put on your poster. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So, what do you find? How much? How much do you reckon the 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 trauma you've witnessed, the living on uh, being homeless—how much of that comes into play when you look at the? Sorry to make this a pun, but the cards you've been dealt now here in Australia are very different cards you got dealt, um, you know, uh, in Ethiopia. How have you found your ability to play these new cards being sort of fueled by knowing just how bad it can be?
2: Um, Well, I'm very grateful for these new cards that I've been given, and the only reason I know. that i'm i'm in such an awesome position right now and whatever the card that i get now even when it's shit i'm always like yeah but it was shit back home so i'm so glad yeah this opportunity here and and that's only because i guess i lived that other life but it feels like i've lived so many different lives you know? yeah, that's, yeah right so i'm so glad that i got that perspective of living in the streets and eating out of bins to survive and coming from a place where you know, it's so different to here. We're, we're so lucky here. We're so privileged. But again, as humans, you know, we tend to forget really quick uh, and get comfortable in our environment. So I see that quite a lot. Even with my own mum, I see that here where, um, you know, she would play Lotto and she doesn't win. And then she gets so upset that she didn't win. And I'm like, listen here, woman, you already won Lotto because remember where we come from. <laughs> and you're trying to double dip. And then I explain uh, what double dip is. So doing. good. like it's a perspective to have and I highly encourage you know parents and people to teenagers or people who haven't traveled to travel to places like that where Mm. when you come to uh, Australia you you will appreciate what you have here and you'll make the most out of it and a lot of my drive and my hustle uh, in comedy comes uh, uh, because of my traumas like I use comedy to deal with my traumas and I did long before i was a comedian you know i was always the the clown in the family so when whenever we're going through a shitty moment i'll make fun of it and try to get my mom to smile or get my brothers and sisters to laugh you know so i always used comedy uh, to deal with my traumas but now that i'm here i use comedy to talk about it you know to deal with it but i make sure obviously there's a punchline in there somewhere because like you said you don't
0: want it to get too heavy um but also like like you said before like it's yeah it's, it's one to do with trauma but also you know like the, the level of hustle like of all industries you need to learn how to hustle in comedy and you already started doing it at such a young age that's what I find yeah. amazing that you're thinking about what to do next how to do next how to benefit yourself how to benefit your family um yeah. and it's just yeah I just yeah I'm, I'm in I'm in awe of it because again like you said before it's like I mean yeah, how could you not be grateful? Like, it'd be, you know, sure, there might, might be a way, but it's just like, yeah, every like, I'm not on the streets, you know, I'm not sleeping outside of church watching a guy tell us not to give us food. Like, I just, yeah, like... Yeah. like uh,
2: I, uh, I know it, um, this is the first time you, you've had me on the, on your podcast, but, a lot of the time, people will have me on and they'll think, oh, this is going to be hip, it's funny, but then it gets deep and it's like, <laughs> odd. and like, I don't know but how our podcast works.
1: is. <laughs> yes, but, Yo, Joe, our podcast oh, has never been associated with humor.
2: <laughs> <laughs> our, our podcast this is too, too much, but um, yeah, man. No, it, no, no. This is where incredible. Where I've come That's from is, is a huge impact on who I am now here. And, uh, you know, when we were homeless in Sudan, there was a time where. Uh, even when I walk into a house here, I appreciate it. Cause there was a time where at night mom would uh, tie three, like three of us to one, one of her side with a rope and the other three to her other side. And this is to stop people from trying to kidnap us while we're asleep. Um, and sometimes they'll try to kidnap my sisters for the purpose of, you know, selling them or rape. Um, and so my mom would try to stay awake all night, but it's mission impossible. Obviously So When she did fall asleep, someone tried to take my sister and we hear screaming and we all wake up and we all charge and then we all go back to our position. That's how she trained us. So at night, you know, this rope was like our security alarm. We're here, you just go in your house and you're beep, 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 beep or the door is locked and you're sorted. So that comparison makes me appreciate just having a roof over my head in Australia.
0: Oh, my I'm, fucking I'm, I'm God. I'm
1: speechless. That I'm is, fucking speechless. So,
0: just to put it in perspective of how I'm thinking, right, like, that, like, as a dad, that is, like, as a parent, that is insane. And only because, like, today, the, I did, it, like, a first today where I just, like, I let someone else take my daughter to school, which I felt so uncomfortable. I can't even comprehend the idea of going, well, it's night-night time. Better tie the kids to me. <laughs> Fuck! So, you know, oh
2: when I say I love my mom on stage and you know, like I'm not just saying that because she just raised us, I'm saying that because I, I've seen firsthand the traumas that she had to go through, you know? I've, I've
1: always enjoyed your, I've always loved your posts about your mom and I've shared a few of them as well. I think there was one in particular where you invited her to a, a very special, like an awards thing, I think it was. You were getting an award for something and, and I, I, I remember being so, being so moved by it and I shared it on my socials as well. I had no clue that that was the extent of how much she has looked after you guys, like, and had to, oh, I just, there's I one, There's I one can't... thing about, yeah,
0: there's one thing about surviving, but then also having to take ownership of six other people. Yeah. Like, that is just like, like, and this is your flesh and blood that you would do anything for, but it's just like literally tying them together to make sure you don't lose them. That is every parent's worst nightmare, worst nightmare. Like mom, that every day, oh, for fucking
2: mom's hell. Mom's a soldier, mom's a soldier. And you know, the, the, the thing with when we were in Sudan, um, there was a government agency, like a boarding school, they tricked mom and they said, oh, we will look after them for you and you can come and visit anytime uh, and you can you know do whatever you want. And in the meantime, go find a job, find a house and we will look after them for you. And mom's like, okay, well that sounds like great deal instead of living on the streets. And then what happened is they took us and they were very abusive to us in there. They'll smack us, they'll belt us, they'll make us sleep outside. And if you peed the bed and some of us did, they would, as a punishment, not only will you get belted, but they'll make you pee in a bucket and drink your pee. So you don't- So Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) So we would-
1: Is that what happened to Bear Grylls? Was he in one of those places? That's where he learned that from.
2: (laughs) When I did watch Bear Grylls, I'm like, I know what it tastes like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you don't want
0: There's no camera. There's no camera crew around me right now. Come on.
2: <laughs> and so, is mom, it? This yeah. the reason I told you that story is because mum's a soldier, so mom would not let them take us because eventually we told mum and they told mum she's not gonna, she's not able to visit us anymore. She has to go away now. And we're stuck there, and because they used to get government funding so they the more kids you have there the more money you get you know what I mean yeah, right yeah, yeah. let us go six of us that's a, a good that's a big change. chunk of change yeah, yeah. so mom used to like for probably a couple of months there we were hugging her through fences because they wouldn't let her in and fucking just, hell
0: joe jesus christ
2: this is the this is the true story right so i I know I'm telling that with a smile and people are like dude it's not funny but this is our life and that's how we dealt with it is with comedy and a smile um, but I look back at it now and I'm just like, man, I've come from a different world, you know. Uh, yeah. I
0: just like, I just cannot, like, I just, I can't comprehend just, like, purely from, it, like, you know, looking at it from two perspectives. One is a child just yeah. wanting to just be a child, which a lot of that was taken away from you, to then followed up by a mum who all that she wants to do is give the best to her child. And in the end, in the end, she must, she must feel at times amazing because she did do that. She got you all out and she got you all to Australia.
1: Well, well finish the story of what you were saying.
2: So how did she, so she, you were hugging yeah. through the through the yeah. fence. They wouldn't let her in. And we were like, why wouldn't they let you in? Now, I remember having this conversation with her, you know, I'm like, why wouldn't they let you in, Mum? i have like, just come in. And she's like, oh, I can't, you know, but I'll come in in the near future. It's okay. you know? And we'll talk to her and I'll call everyone over and I'll be like, hey, Mum's by the fence. Let's have a chat. And everyone would come down. Um, and then she would, like, she just looked sad, man. I, I always remember my mum's face in Sudan. And the whole time it's just, it haunts me to this day, you know, so I don't like seeing mom sad. Um, so we, mom, they, they wanted her to um, they wanted her to prove that she could look after us. And she's like, I've been looking after them, you know, but they're like, yeah, but they can't live on the street. So you have to provide like a place to hold them a place to let them live uh, instead of on the streets, exposed to the elements and the dangers. So, um, so mom uh, got a lot of, like she found people to help her write because mom never been to school so she can't read she can't write um so she got people to help her write letters to the government to try and get us back and they're like yeah where are they going to live if we let them go from the boarding place so mom ranked like managed to sell the tea and get more um she just worked hard she she did selling tea and cleaning at for people cleaning at hotels washing people's clothes at hotels uh so she did those two and she managed to afford to be able to rent not a house someone's veranda right so we lived in in someone's veranda and so they let us go and they get back to her and we were living there until we came to uh, uh, Australia but um, many moments like that where people would try to take us and mom will get us back and this is the craziest out of all of them this one here so the guy that mom used to give tea to for free right the homeless guy um, she, she didn't see him for a while and me and my brother we were playing on the street my older brother and the army truck would just come in this is during obviously uh the, the person in charge was a dictator umar al-bashir was his name he's just got yeah. ousted in 2019 uh so we're, under umar al-bashir there used to be i guess a lot of riots and the army truck would come in and they would take kids and people would not know where these kids are right? So me and my brother were playing outside. We see the army and mum's like, if you see the truck, you run and you hide. We're like, all right. So she's at work. Uh, we run. Uh, we see the truck coming. I'm like, run. The truck is here. Me and my brother run. I hide. He hides. I come the out. The opposite of Mr. Whippy. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you get paid more than me. God
0: That's very <laughs> your punchline. That's very, very good. Uh, you can give that to Joe.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's a cry on, dude. is the absolute wishy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, Joe, go on. So Brutal.
3: Oh, fuck. So, so you hear
2: this, you see the truck coming, <laughs> you guys going so then, nice. This truck comes, right? We're both <laughs> run, We're both hide. Uh, I come out, my brother doesn't come out. And I'm like, looking around for him. I can't find him, my older brother. So I'm like, okay, well, they took him. So I ran, I ran home and then uh, I was like, didn't know what to do. Mom comes home and she's like, where's your older brother? I said, oh, uh, we were playing and this truck came and they took him. And then I don't know oh what he Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. And mom's like, what do you mean they took him? And that's what I explained to her. And I promise you, both of us are crying and then he comes through the gate this is a couple of hours later when mom got home and I told her, he comes through the gate and mom's like crying and she's looking at me like I just told her the biggest lie. And I'm like, no, that's what happened. And she goes to him, what happened? And get this, he goes to her. I was in the back of a truck with other kids and uh, one of the soldiers, he asked me if I knew um, the Habeshia, which is like what they call Ethiopians uh, and Eritreans in Sudan. So it's like, if you're a Habesha, the Habesha people are, people of east africa so ethiopia and eritrea mainly yeah. and so they go, the guy goes to him do you know that Ethiopian lady in the market because you look a bit like her and he goes oh. yeah I know her. that's my mom and he goes all right let this kid let this kid off so he sent my brother back and through like word of mouth and finding out mom found out it was the same person that she was giving the free tea to
1: the Who homeless person that it. she gave tea to Who decided oh to
2: my god joseph <sighs> So even even when she uh, couldn't physically fight and bring us back, her good karma was able to yeah. take her. And, oh, and mum is man. good love, man. So if you guys meet my mom, man.
0: Mate, I can't I'm, wait to meet your mom. giving her a massive hug, I'll tell you that much. Uh, I'm just going to go up to her and go, I'm going to tie a rope around me and tie around her. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm safe. <laughs> I'm safe, people. I am fucking safe.
2: We used to have uh, this South African comedian that came, uh, Conrad Koch. He came and stayed with me at my mom's house at, when we were doing Perth Fringe. I'm telling you, we'll be on our computers working in the lounge room. Mom would come home from work and she would come up to me and she'd go, hello, my son, on my forehead. And she would, just, she would just stare at him and I'll stare at her staring at him. And he's staring, sitting on the other side of the couch. And she'll go up and she'll be like, hello, my second son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. What's and your mom's was, name, Joe? Yazina, and he's like, "Why is your mom so nice, man? I'm gonna cry." I'm like, "Man, my mom's your mom's, yeah, my mom's a mom's fucking soldier who got kicked out of home. That's how nice my mom is. How? Um, are, I mean, what we, kind of Mother's Day does she have?"
0: <laughs> like God, <no. laughs> um hey joe we've got to wrap it up here but um but we we can't thank you enough this has been one of my favorite podcasts by far bill i know about you but i fucking love this well You're yeah
1: on. well we should wrap up because we're going to do, a patreon, heavy, app we as we do well. a patreon I but
2: but a warning
1: it was no, no 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 it's it's very much look classic but as well in terms noise. of not knowing where it's going to go um yeah but i guess to to kind of finish up though uh i'm keen to know I think everyone would feel you'd be justified if you were a angry, bitter, um, you know, uh, uh, you're just the opposite almost of everything that you've described. Like, I'm sure you have your dark moments and your, you know, short-fused moments or whatever, but you've never not, I've never seen you being unkind or, or, or you know, uneven tempered or whatever. Uh, 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 where... How the fuck did you not become an angry person?
2: I don't know. I don't know. You know, I think I, I, I'm not. I'm definitely not perfect. I have my emotional moments. Yeah. Know, where I'm like, am I so angry? Where does it come from? You know. And then I go, this is probably past traumas that I haven't quite 100% dealt with. That's triggering me. You know. And so, um, but I truly like. I just want to. I just want to lead with what my mom led with, which is love, you know, and as corny as that sounds, I just want to do good in her honor as well as uh Mm. in my legacy. Um and that's a lot of my comedy is around just like I'm if you see me perform on stage, I'm not mean to my com to my audience. I am at times when the person is heckling and they deserve it. But the whole aim is I look at these people as an opportunity to you know just take them away from their chaos and their dramas. And that's why I did comedy in the beginning is because I was sad and then I used comedy to be happy. And so when they come, you know, I try to, uh, to,
0: to have the same impact using comedy that comedy had on me. Wow. It's amazing, it's amazing Joe. Comedy. Amazing. And, and you are doing a comedy festival show, aren't you, Joe? I am, yeah. Joe White, Ethiopian and still not hungry. That's
2: the name of my show.
0: At a very <laughs> good venue in the city, Melbourne's Fad Gallery. A uh, awesome place to go watch uh, comedy. So um, I can't, uh, let's strongly recommend, go see Joe. Go see Joe. Go see Joe.
1: Go see Joe. But also anything else that you want
2: our listeners to uh, follow you on or anything like that? Yes, social media. I post a lot about my mom on social media. As you know, do Instagram, Joe White Official or Joe White Comedy uh, on Facebook uh, or do YouTube videos as well. And so, and you get to understand my mom and her journey as well, you know, in a more in-depth way. Yeah, no, way. totally. Oh.
1: Have you got plans to put this in a book or, a, you know, a fucking movie? Like, it's incredible. Yeah. You should, I mean, um, your mom's story. I mean, your, yeah. I mean I'm mean, i glad you're the vehicle to tell her story, um, yeah. but her story is just unbelievable. I mean, it's remarkable.
2: Yeah, she's a uh, she's she's a uh, like I said, just um, like she would tell me her stories, dude, and then I would have to go take a shower and just cry it out because I'm like, I cannot believe that person sitting in the lounge room, who's my mother, suffered like that, and there was nothing I could do at the time because I was a bloody child, you know. But um, I will tell her. Uh, I have been telling her story since I started doing comedy, and I'll continue to tell it. And as my platform grows, hopefully there'll be opportunity to tell it on a Amazing. greater.
1: Well, we're really grateful that you have used our platform to share that story, man. It's definitely something that, um, you know, we've been friends, but obviously not got really the chance to delve into this because we're too busy talking about comedy. And, you know, I I really appreciate your uh, candidness and your honesty with it. And yeah, thank you for taking the time to share that with us, mate. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much. I don't even man. want to plug my shows. No, like, I don't want to plug see... my show either. Go see Joe's
0: show. <laughs> Fuck our shows. No, no, um, no, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the, the victim, guys. I'm a victor, remember. The, the, uh, that's totally. Uh, we both have our shows, Dil. Um, go see it, but also go see Joe. Uh, I can't thank you enough, Joe, for having us. And, um, again, if you like this, uh, go listen. Uh, if you like Joe, go check out our Patreon, uh, which uh, is uh, Joe Yeah, we'll actually
1: be talking about fitness, specifically about yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. On that, so there's yeah. a... There's a good so, forward so. sizzle for the Patreon <laughs> and if you want to hear Joe's approach to fitness. Surprisingly, diet does not involve going through bins. So <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Hey, thanks so much. And um, and to everyone and everyone listening, and thanks again, Joe, so much. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, everybody. Love you. Bye. And, you know, Bye. if you get a chance to say hi to your mums, hug your mums if you can. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> see you later, guys. And your dads. Why not? <laughs> see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.
0: How?